0: Hey everybody, welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's episode 139 and there is a delightful sort of symmetry in today's episode number. Uh, We're going to be talking about some new stuff happening here at Woodsmith and Popular Woodworking. Uh, Some favorite tools that we have. uh, Just your general December woodworking chit chat. I'm joined by John and Logan as always. Uh, for a rollicking good time. I want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin. It's that handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. You can tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. Uh, also want to give a thanks to the listener who purchased a Shaper tool based on our discussions, both of the tool and the podcast sponsorship. So, kudos to you, sir. We salute you. Mm-hmm. Shout out we to gonna, Nelson. We're going to yep.
1: do one more podcast because he followed <laughs> through on the sponsorship. Yeah. Yep. Keep it coming, guys. Uh, we can keep doing one more. I mean,
0: to be fair, you know, we do the podcast because of the support of the paid stuff that goes on around here let's let's be honest about that that oh I was doing it out of guilt right <laughs> I mean I do have that over you guys is I was I just do
1: the podcast out of spite right yeah
2: that's fair yeah that's the yeah. best work we called it the <laughs> shop notes
0: work. podcast because the rage podcast was already taking yeah so mm-hmm. All right. So here's the funny part today, episode 139 of the podcast and just yesterday in podcast recording time, shop notes issue 139 is reborn launched, pushed out into the universe. Mm -hmm.
1: So like a Phoenix.
0: Yes, From the it ashes. is like a phoenix. That's a good mm-hmm. way of describing it. So you can conjure all of your Harry Potter and Star Wars imagery there. That yep. uh, It's the New Republic, Fox being reborn, all that kind of stuff. Nerds! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, it's pretty exciting, because we've been talking about relaunching Shop Notes for a while. Um, We all have a little soft, squishy part in our heart for Shop Notes magazine, which is why the podcast is named Shop Notes Podcast, because we didn't want to see it pass away entirely. So, our perseverance has paid off. So, if you want to subscribe, it's a digital publication. We've talked about that before. It comes out quarterly. Which means that it's four times a year for those people who watch soccer and not football. Um, you can subscribe over at shopnotes.com. It's available on the Zinio app and through our, through our website. So We've had some early adopters for the magazine already and some good feedback, so that's kind of fun. Logan, you even wrote an article for Shop Notes?
2: Yeah. So did Colin. Yeah. Yep. So
0: kind of pulled Which everybody did, in. Yeah. Which mix. one did you write?
2: I wrote the craftsman tool cabinet.
1: Yeah. Designed That's by our very John own John designed. Doyle. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a classic yep. team up,
2: John and Logan. <laughs> yep. We figured That's the it John out. John and Logan show. <laughs> We we threw a dash of Becky in there, so you know it's going to yeah. be entertaining. Yeah, there's right, going to yeah. be some head scratchers along the way. Yep, it's a it's a ride that everybody needs to buckle in for. Yep. <laughs> so, and I picked out my my uh, project for the next issue because it was a suggestion that I made long time ago. Yeah, uh, based on a set of cabinets that my buddy Jimmy Clues has in his shop. The Coleman okay. style um, shop organization. And I think John's designing that one too, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. I mean, once the band's back together, you can't break it back up. So,
0: <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so mm-hmm. the tool cabinet, John, you want to talk a little bit about the design of it? We'll put an image of it on the show notes page.
1: Yeah, it's a uh... I mean most shop cabinets you think of they're, you know, made out of plywood and uh not very pretty. They're more functional. This one is craftsman style. Um I think if you built it, you would be proud to put your heirloom tools in it um or hang it about anywhere in your house for display purposes. So it's one of those shop projects that could be a fine piece of furniture too. So um I don't know, a lot of Craftsman Elephants, Elephants, Elements. Yeah, it's got Craftsman Elephants, too. So They are uh, really big uh, details. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's got, uh, I don't know, it's got uh, uh, square plugs, you know, uh, fill in the screw holes that are, you know, proud. Um, What else? It's been a while since we did this, so. It's hard to look mm-hmm. back. It's got glass doors with munions in it and yep. drawers on the bottom. So I really sold it there, it's didn't I?
2: Whi- yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's all, all white. Yeah. Yeah. it it's all white oak. It's all white oak, so it's like super heavy, which yes, is awesome. Yes, it
1: is. That's what I was thinking. It's like we have these uh, projects that we built for this first issue of Shop Notes. It's like maybe we should do a promo where we give them away, but then it's like how do you even ship something like that?
2: Oh god! You'd have to... Shipping that would be miserable. Yeah. So
1: it's pr- it's pretty heavy duty. So <laughs> we can
0: do a sale or something like that, and just it's like only for pickup. Yes.
1: Yep. And you will need a pickup.
0: <laughs> of course, this whole time I can't get the image of a craftsman-style elephant out of mm-hmm. my head. Now, so think about that. Hmm. Feel like we got to get Chris on that, Chris. We need give me a
2: green and green elephant. Yes. That would be like oddly like Indian Asian style, wouldn't it? Like, I'm thinking some like very stylized, like Hindu type uh, (laughs) elephant. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Let's plug that into the AI photo generator and see what (laughs) we get.
2: (laughs) Dolly, yeah. Uh, Yeah. All
0: right. Write that down as a project idea. Put that Mm -hmm. in. I don't know, woodsmith or Popwood, wood, it seems like that would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Christmas ornament for you guys next year.
2: There you go. That's right. Or carved elephant.
0: Yep. Yeah. Because nothing says Christmas like elephants. Yep. Although, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, a couple years ago, uh, one of my kids in... You know, as kids are growing and learning words, how they hear a word isn't necessarily the way that that word is actually pronounced. Yep. So we were starting to decorate our tree, and my son at the time asked when we were going to put the garlic on the tree. hmm mm. Instead of garland. So that year I... Uh, went out and carved a little bulb of garlic and then hung it on the tree and then see, waited for people to notice it, so that was pretty funny. Awesome. And now every year when
2: we pull it's it cool. out <laughs> it's like, the garlic! Yes. Um, it's very much the same way that our very own, yeah. own Becky hears words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can Hand say this because she doesn't
2: listen to the podcast Yeah. Yes. yeah. So
1: we can say whatever we want here. We're safe.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Becky is the fourth member of our AV club here. Uh, Yeah. A small affiliation of folk that we have uh, that were involved with all kinds of video and social media and whatever stuff a few years ago. And she brings light to our group.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes stress. Yeah. And stress and order. And sometimes (laughs) we give the stress. Probably more that. She you also keeps us f- on
0: task because yeah. we yeah. tend to
2: drift as a group. No, we're 139 <laughs> podcasts into this. Nobody would have realized that she's, <laughs> <Right. Jeez. laughs>
1: yeah. She's usually the one that's like, okay guys, did you do a podcast this week? Right? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. podcasts so, yes. go out
0: on Friday and she's like, when she'll start on like Friday, Monday afternoon, actually, and she's like, did you guys yeah. podcast? Are you going to podcast? When are you going to podcast? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. so you guys can send all your hate mail to Crowdcheck at amedia.com <laughs> blaming yeah. her for these stupid things <laughs> right.
0: Right. so now when you say Coleman style cabinets you mean like camping camp so, stove I mean, Coleman I mean, or? yes
2: that I believe so I'm pretty sure the logo on there is the Coleman camp stove logo um and I don't know when they were made. I have to they look like they're an early 2000s type cabinet. Okay. Um but they're they were they're just kind of cool nice cabinets. Um they are I want to say three or four drawer. Um, I have a photo of them and I actually I might have linked a photo of them in that message I sent to the designers with it. Um they are deep drawer, so they're probably 10 to 12 inch tall drawers they have aluminum or steel corner brackets uh that wrap around the edges of the drawers to the sides um and i think i feel like they're like like riveted on it just is a very cool style i found um well i I first saw it when i was at jimmy's place uh so yeah let's see if i can find uh, a photo to at least put up on the uh show notes page but yeah they're uh, they were interesting um, and I, they seem like they're they're probably modular oh yeah mm-hmm. so like actually Lowe's has some of them maybe still um, but yeah they come in different configurations it's kind of like the old not the old I mean gosh they still make them <laughs> like the you go into Menards or Home Depot and you can they have a line of like shop cabinet shop cabinets garage cabinets where it's like sure. oh buy the tall standing one and the two little ones and you make a workbench or you can configure them however you want it's kind of yeah. like those okay things
1: kind of a modular yeah. one yeah, workshop kinda. type
2: thing yeah with without i think without trying to be a one-wall workshop but maybe yeah. that's a good way to take it you know i don't know yeah we, we gotta take into the, the the plywood costs into this decision making process <laughs> <laughs> or mdf i guess yeah
0: yeah, but I mean, it is fun to be able to work in a visual style too, because it's yeah. really easy to just and there's a place for it for just you know plywood chunks cut out, mm-hmm. screwed together, or dados and rabbits or whatever, and and that's it. But adding a little flair to it mm-hmm. is a nice touch, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even for shop cabinets. Yeah, like. There's nothing wrong with having your garage or shop look good.
1: Yeah. Well, when it I looks think that's good, always... you feel good. And when you feel good, you
2: work You good. do good work, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's always been some of the appeal to me, like to a lot of the Shop Notes stuff, is it's like the the projects in Shop Notes and Woodsmith, I mean, it never looks like a shop project. Or never looks like a project that somebody would actually build for their shop. Where it's like, you know what, if I'm slapping this this uh, table saw sled together, I'm probably not gonna put melamine and lacquer it because ain't nobody got time for that except for the <laughs> Woodsmith and Shop Notes guys. So I think that's some of the appeal to me, is it's like, hey, we can take what is shop storage, basic shop storage, cabinet with drawers, and we can aesthetically elevate it a little bit. I think that's that's pretty awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I mean, it's like the tool cabinet that John designed for Shop Notes. It's craftsman style, white oak, looks amazing. And I know that, uh, I mean, I've heard it from people around here, uh, but then also from readers where they're building a Shop Notes project, you know, where we've done those higher style ones. And, you know, another member of the household is like, you're building that for your shop. That's too mm-hmm. nice for your shop. Mm-hmm. It's coming in the house. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's, I even said that in that article when I wrote it. It's like, you know, this is designed as a shop tool cabinet. I could see it going in somebody's study, in an mm-hmm. office. In oh, yeah. A, you in know, a liquor
1: cabinet. In a, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Bathroom yep. storage cabinet, you know, any of that stuff.
0: No, it's so. pretty cool. So I got to do a Chris Fitch router jig, which. Mm-hmm. There is a, this is a strange dark corner of Chris Fitch's mind that works on router jigs. Well, jigs mm-hmm. of all sorts. And so this one, he took a, a palm router motor and made a little carriage for it that allows you to do loose tenon joinery with this little router. So it's kind of about the size of a biscuit joiner. Slash festool domino, yep, and uh, it's got two little sliding tables on it, so you can do uh, both slide to slot, side to side, and depth control on it. So just by sliding the router motor and plunging it in, you can make uh, mortises in work pieces, and then use loose tenons on it. So that was pretty cool. I was that one he went totally wizard on that one because it was. I I know he was working on trying to be a little bit more complicated with it, and then was able to find a happy medium of really nice functionality, uh, mm-hmm. without turning this into a
2: super bulky tool. So, see yeah. now, now it needs to get combined with the old shop notes. I think it was shop notes air powered biscuit plate joiner oh yes yeah the foot pedal on it yeah Yeah. if we could Mm -hmm. if we could like you know wizard those two things together right so it's like a shop notes uh domino machine yes
0: see and that's part of the problem is because you guys know that i've been working on a loose tenon mortiser on my own off and on. Mostly off recently. Yep. <laughs> but it's like every time Chris does one of these, I'm like, that is super cool. That's exactly what I want to build. And then I get started on it, and then he comes out with something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Darn it. It's like when Blue Spruce gets a new tool out. That's what I do. Right. Because they, Blue Spruce, they're in your head, man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See if I had the tools that Logan has, like all the planes and the blue spruce tools, I would have a nice tool cabinet, the craftsman style tool it's, cabinet to put my it's, tools in. Just my tools on my aren't list. worthy, <laughs> so
2: <laughs> it's on the pop wood list to do a great big old, like double door tool cabinet with storage mm-hmm. underneath, like a till on the side. Like it's on my list. Okay, and now. Now that I have recruited one of the greats out of retirement to start doing designs, all like right, putting Ted on go. it, yep, <laughs> yep. So Becky's dad, Becky, we were speaking about earlier. Becky's dad, uh, Ted, was one of our. What was one of the Woodsmith original staff? Members. He like was staff the number, number two. Yes, yeah. he was like staff two. After and, Don, it was Ted. Yep. Yep, and Ted has done designs for a long time. He retired about five or six years ago. Um, and I contacted him to start doing some freelance design for me, like like CAD design. So it's like, hey, Ted, I need a design for a shave horse. He's like, here you go. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. this is awesome. It takes a lot of the mental load off me, which is necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So here's a question that I have, and I think we've talked about this before. Big impressive tool cabinets like that
2: are super cool, but you never close the doors. Change my mind. I know. Nope, I, I agree with you. Uh, to me it is more having a set of beautiful doors on there yeah um, you know maybe with some veneer panels or, or whatever right is more of a statement type piece? Sure. And a way to show off your craftsmanship. Yeah. Like, yes, if if we're talking functionality wise, I'm not gonna go to I'm not gonna go to the extreme and say pegboard's the best. But a wall of tools on an open front tool cabinet is probably functionally better. Sure. But if you want that nice aesthetic of being able to close the doors at some point, yeah. And I think for what I'm planning on doing with it, you know, having it behind the bench and it'll be in a, be in a backdrop and some photos and stuff, like, I think I want to be able to shut the doors to hide those shiny planes, you know what I mean? Because those can wreak havoc right. with lights and flashes and stuff, so. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you, yes. However, I would never... I, I, I like the ability to add the doors...
0: Oh, no, I, I'm not dissing it. It's yeah. just kind of yeah. interesting because, you know, I think... You, you don't show them.
2: You're, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. For a lot of people, you know, who are familiar with woodworking folk, Christian Bexford is well known mm. for his gigantic tool cabinet Yep. in his shop in Maine, and it's got piano hinge doors on it, and that thing's never closed, you know, or like mm-hmm. Mike Pekovich at Fine Woodworking. He's got a super cool wall cabinet, you know, and they talk about being able to close the doors and keep the dust out. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's kind of like fake shutters on a house. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they see, look now, good
0: there, but they're not doing shutter work. They're just, they're serving another yeah. purpose, which, like mm. I said, is fine. It's just, yes, don't go into building a wall house wall-mounted tool cabinet, thinking that every night when you
2: leave the shop, you're closing the doors. Correct. Now, the one thing I will say is I'm not a fan of, and this is a completely personal opinion, I'm not a fan of wall-hanging tool cabinets that are big. Because to me, it's like, why? Like, what are you really going to put under there? I would much rather have some form of a base on it with drawers or some form of storage underneath. Yeah. Um. To me, that's more practical. Yeah. Than saying, "Hey, I have this twenty-five inch deep tool cabinet. Maybe it's, <laughs> you know, maybe it's only fourteen inches when I open the doors, but still, that's a lot of wasted real estate. And you need oh, yeah. a huge swing for those doors to open and close. Yeah. So, I
0: don't well, know. which is why we had that. Uh, you know, Chris designed that. It was in like an English, arts and crafts style, yep. tall. Floor standing bookcase that had
1: big opening doors and, but like Is you that said, the one had with a, the, the diamond detail on the crown, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And Logan had Logan started a, that? Logan started a walnut that. version of that, yeah.
2: How did that go? The, uh, the walnut base, <laughs> wow, John. I was just curious. I was thinking, somebody about that. woke up sassy this morning. <laughs> no, I, I started it, yeah. Um, I have the base done. Mm -hmm. I mean like the base is all done I didn't build drawers but the base is done Um, that was that was right after I started at Woodsmith I think Mm -hmm. I started that so it's probably been down there for five years now maybe six Um, yeah I decided it was a little boxier than I wanted
0: that's fair Mm -hmm.
2: so what am I going to do with it I have no idea right like no idea and well, I didn't built you repurpose the song. base
0: for no. and you put a top on it for other stuff? Mm-mm. Oh, I thought you were going to do that.
2: No, I mean my watchmaker's tool cabinet kind of, or yeah, my watchmaker's cabinet kind of fits right on top of it and it covers the Baltic birch because I I didn't want to make the entire top out of walnut because sure. it gets a big cabinet that puts over, that goes over mm-hmm. top. So I edged it with you know like five inch walnut mitered on the corners and then it's Baltic birch panel in the center. And it fits and covers that, but it looks disproportionate. Like, yeah. I just don't know what I'm... I don't know what I'm mm. going to do with it. I mean, um, yeah. Or my shop... I was say, my shop right now is going to get turned into a theater room. So maybe I'll use it as, like, a, a stand for, like, a popcorn machine and stuff and... Okay. Put that in there. I don't know. Maybe. That'd be cool. See,
1: in today's money that Baltic birch panel that you used is probably worth more than the walnut. So you uh, should go back and yes. harvest it from yep. that project and you Take got your kids to that. college.
2: That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. What's a, what's a 60 by 60 sheet of Baltic birch right now, three-quarter inch? If you, you have know. to ask, you can't afford it. Well, <laughs> because a sheet a 60 by 60 sheet of Baltic birch is 25 board feet. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to figure out yeah, what the board foot cost of a Baltic birch is. I don't know what was the what did Mark
1: say the four x eight sheets were going for?
2: I mean they have to be at one hundred and twenty, right? Yeah, I was going to 100. say one hundred twenty or one hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. So so if they're one hundred and fifty by a four x by eight sheet, that is four dollars oh. and sixty eight cents per board foot board if board we're board. talking a board foot, so still still mm-hmm. reasonable yeah uh yeah but you can buy like ash cheaper than that yeah i mean heck you know you buy planes on a riffs on oak for that, so that right it's, sometimes it wouldn't be as easy to work with for big panels but right hmm.
0: so is there like a baltic birch futures market
2: I don't know. It, it may be like the uh, the Bitcoin of today. Like, mm-hmm. we should have bought it now, and then 30 years from now, yeah. everybody would be retired and live the high yeah. life. Just before the Baltic Birch <laughs> exchange goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Probably should have bought it before Russia invaded yeah. Ukraine. We would have know. bought it
1: January 1, yep, twenty two. Sold it on December 31st.
0: mean it's not guaranteed to go up in value right but it probably will a special shout out to our sponsor shaper tools they're the makers of the shaper origin it's that handheld cnc router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking you can tackle joinery cabinetry hardware installation and more with speed and precision try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days visit shapertools.com to learn more
1: and that is your daily market report <laughs> from the Shop Boys podcast. I will say that uh, uh, in a
0: speaking of being somewhat of a nerd, uh, when I was in college and couldn't really do any woodworking because of being in a dorm room, uh, I was in Chicago, and would our school had for every dorm in the dorm buildings, every floor got a subscription to the Tribune. So I would check out the Chicago Board of Trade, CBOT, and look regularly at the uh, futures market for softwood lumber. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's by per thousand board foot or something like that, which is always kind of interesting. I mean, that's that's obviously construction lumber, your two-by-fours and all that sort of stuff, but it was interesting to kind of watch trends to see where it was going and see, you know, based seasonally and how the economy was rolling at the time.
2: and Yeah. Yeah. Speaking That's of which, oh, go ahead, John. I was
1: going to say back in 2020, when all the softwood lumber skyrocketed because everybody was either building houses or at home and working at on DIY projects, did we see that in the hardwood market as much? Did you see that? Logan, um, or was that a l- more? a little
2: bit, but not too, not not near as much as the softwoods. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, hardwood, The I think the the bigger trend we saw during the hardwood markets was um, the the portion of that hardwood lumber industry that is getting used for trim. Right. So, like, you know, the it's going to be that thinner, you know, maybe 916 stock that is going up because it's stuff that's getting used for baseboard and trims. Right. Stuff like that. And so,
1: more of your common like
2: Oak cherry. Yeah. Walnut. It didn't really move a whole lot. Yeah. So, you know, uh, speaking of the softwoods, Phil, yeah, I thought it was funny how you were raving about that white pine I brought in for you. Well, you said it was working really nicely.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Um, it was a. I don't. I mean, I didn't see photos of the tree that it came from. Mm-hmm. But, f- you know, because white pines, this might surprise people, aren't really native to Iowa.
2: No. They're a decorative tree.
0: So, and most of the time, like there's several white pines in my neighborhood, and there was one that got taken down within the last year or two, just a few blocks mm-hmm. from my house, that I was kind of sad to see go because it was a it was a tall tree but a Mm -hmm. lot of times you see white pines around here just because of environmental stresses and you know like i live in town so there are city trees Mm -hmm. which they've you know they got street smarts but they've led a hard life yep so they usually end up you know forking real early uh or the crown gets lopped you know and then they kind of go all flat topped you know and it's relatively stunted so white pines Mm -hmm. grow annually by whorls so the branches come out horizontally from the trunk like every year it grows up a little bit and then sends out branches and then the next year grows up and a lot of times you'll see those whorls are pretty close together just because of again environmental stresses Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, but this one You know there's a couple of places well a the boards on those are like 16 inches wide yep or so and on some of them the whorls are uh i don't know probably almost two feet apart so
1: so looking at the board you would have a knot every like every two feet from where that branch came out yeah
0: and actually it would be like several. So depending on, you know, where you are in the tree, like it's Mm -hmm. several branches come out. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
0: So for those of you who have permanent Christmas trees and how you stack the parts together and the branches all just kind of are hinged all at one level, that's kind of how they grow, except without the hinges. So when you slice that into boards, you know, obviously you're going to see one or two knots in there. And, you know, I don't mind quote unquote country style look for furniture. But some of them when it just looks like they've been shotgunned with knots. Knots. Yeah. It it's not the it's not the look that I'm going for. I want yeah. to be able to show off pine like a hardwood. So there's a couple of projects that I have in mind for for that for those boards. And because of how this tree grew, it's I can use that and get full lengths without having to have gigantic knots in it which
2: is very advantageous to me well it's it's funny because i also i have two more white pine logs laying here um so those white pines that you have those came from bondurant iowa which is right outside des moines um there was four of them that my buddies took down uh i took two of them home he took two of them home um after we cut them and i had those stacked here drying Uh, For two years now. Um, Earlier this year, when that tornado came through, I think we talked about that. I took a bunch of white pines down from a property. I don't know, ten minutes, five minutes from my house. And I cut some of that. I cut two of those logs. Let me think about this. Maybe I only have one white pine left. Because I cut two of those logs into uh, like six inch wide boards for my shop use either i'm going to use it as an accent wall or maybe i'll use it as you know kind of like a wainscoting around i haven't really decided but that was my intention so i cut those into six inch wide boards one by sixes basically yeah um and another one of those logs that i took home i cut for my buddy rusty chairness down in atlanta Um, and rusty i actually he has a uh, spokeshave article Coming up in this next issue of Pop Wood on on making a traditional style wooden spoke shape, um, and he is also a chair maker. Uh, does a lot of uh, chairs in different styles, bogs chairs, Windsor chairs, stuff like that. And he was asking me about getting white pine because I guess getting white pine chair seats, which is the traditional wood for for chair seats, is pretty hard. I mean, you can get them and you can order them online. You can order a chair seat blank. And I don't recall exactly what the dimensions are, but I want to say it's roughly 18 inches deep by 20 or 22 wide. Sure. And you need it to be clean and clear uh, as possible. Um, so he was saying you can I mean, you can order them online. They're like 120 to 130 bucks a piece plus shipping. And I'm like, dude, I got white pine Lane at my house. Like, I'll just I'm driving down to Tennessee to do another photo shoot. Like let's meet halfway. You know, it's a seven hour drive for me, four hours for him from Atlanta. Um, so I sliced up one of these white pines for him and brought it down and it worked perfectly that those whorls were like 23 inches apart. So it's like you basically for every chair seat that you could get out of each board, you had maybe three inches of waste where the next series of knots were. So it worked out really nicely. Um, and it's, it's a nice, clean-looking wood. Um, when it is not super knotty, like you said, Phil, it is so nice. Um, and I actually just saw a photo from Lost Art Press, Megan Fitzpatrick, former editor at Popwood. She's teaching a, I think, a Dutch tool chest class. And they're working on dovetails on these massive sides of clear white pine. And it just looks nice. Oh, Yeah. And I actually think the uh, the most recent issue of Fine Woodworking then they have a was that a white pine shaker box on the front of it? Yes.
0: Yeah, that was a, um, a Bexford project. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so, it has a it's got a really fun look to it. I,
2: yeah, I mean, just I don't know.
0: I think country I'm not furniture going with,
2: vegan. But. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I am. Uh, I mean, country furniture with all the little. Heart cutouts and, you Ugh. know, God. yeah, yeah, painted fruit and whatever and yeah. gigantic knots really gave pine a bad reputation. Yeah. But, yeah. like, unlike walnut for John, there is a delight in cutting white pine that it there just is. It
2: smells yeah. great. I will yeah. say, I do have a deep, dark secret. Mm. And it involves the style furniture, kind of. And it, it reared its head this weekend while I was deer hunting. I have this weird desire to build a set of, like, um, oh, what would you call them? Like cabin-style furniture where it's, like, the logs with the tenon ends and mortises and stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a weird desire to do a set out of that or like that.
0: I can see that. Okay. There's a place for Just, it, and I think it can be done well. Like everything, yes. even in Tarja. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So anyway, I want to build some stuff out of pine. It, it works really well with hand tools. I like doing hand mm-hmm. tool work.
2: and Have you noticed in this pine that it's sticky at all? No. Have you found sappot?
0: Really? Not so far you know like when i okay. did the i did the my workbench and i did that out of fur you had that yep. white fur and that fur had gigantic sap pockets in it it was like okay. and it was really weird because you wouldn't really see them until after i had glued up a panel or something and i'd come in the next day and because i had you know resawed and planed all the boards or whatever and then I'd come back, and you see, it like you, know, you have to like scrape up all your glue drips or whatever. And then on the bottom side is just this big drip. Drip. It's like somebody squirted honey all over the bottom side yep. of the panel or something, and you got to clean yeah. those off. And
2: interesting. So, the, so the standard in in the kiln drying industry is you set pitch, and and that is done in softwood. It's not done in hardwood. It's done in softwoods, where. When after the, after the timber has gone through its drying cycle and it's reached the target, you know, seven, eight, nine percent, whatever they're shooting for, they yeah. then crank the heat up to and they, they get the internal temperature to 100 and I want to say it's 165 degrees for seven hours. And what that does is that turns that pitch hard so it will not drip anymore. Yeah.
1: Um, so is that medium I, rare at 165?
2: I, yes. I think that's like medium well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Still have it's like still a, little, little it's a little
1: juicy in the middle, but yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Not shoe leather. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, uh, I've never done that with softwoods and I don't think, I think, uh, my buddy Bobby, if we were going to put some softwoods in his kiln and try to set the pitch, I think we need to add some auxiliary heaters to get it that hot. Yeah. Um, cause his is a dehumidification kiln, but it does heat up. Um, I just think you'd need to add something, um, you know, once concrete's going in my shop this week, uh, I will probably put a kiln in there and I will probably try to get some form of auxiliary heat in there to do that in softwoods. Now, my fear is if, if I say, OK, I'm going to cut all this white pine uh, because it's great to work with and whatever, but then we, we cook it and we set the pitch, is that going to reduce its workability? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, I think we all agree, air-dry just works so much better than kiln-dry does. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's a lot less brittle Mm -hmm. on most materials. Oh, one other thing that I was going to say, let me... Working on a Christmas project this week and doing some carving... And there's nothing like carving to really show how little a person knows about sharpening mm-hmm. than to deal with uh, carving tools, because I can sharpen chisels, plain irons, scrapers to the point that they perform pretty well. I still have a lot to learn, I'm sure, and, you know, practice does that. but. When you have something like this little bad boy, a tiny little, it's a palm carving tool for the people who are watching on the radio, um, V-tool and getting a V-tool sharp is like sharpening three tools at the same time Mm -hmm. because the sides are like chisels and the bottom is like a really tiny little gouge and it's tough to get a decent bevel all the way around on there. So, and I've I modified this particular one. I'll put a photo of it on the show notes page. Uh, After reading an article by Al Breed, rather than having a very square front edge to it, I have it so that it's the wings are kinda angled forward a little bit so that it does better, supposed to do better on cross grain cuts. And then I lowered the angle underneath, so you can use it at a lower angle in use without having to have it pitched up so high. Uh, based on Al Breed's advice on there, and I've just I got I've gotten it to cut, and working with the grain, it does pretty well. Across the grain, it was like I was using a nail; it just kind of scratched its way through. So. Then at your suggestion today, or this week, Logan, we went over to the Tormac, where we have a CBN wheel on one side Mm -hmm. and used a, I don't know, what was it called? The like short tool holder or something like that? It was the short
2: tool jig. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was kind of surprised on how well that worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's,
2: I think, I think that's a 400 grit stone. So it's a pretty fine stone. Like you're not going to grind a ton of material away with it. So. Right.
0: Which is, I think my fear, especially because I've been doing most of my sharpening at home is just with bench stones. Um, just because that's a little bit more straightforward for me. I'm trying to keep things relatively simple. I do have a little hand crank grinder, a four inch wheel on that um, and that works pretty well but even then you know when you're at a grinder with little tiny carving tools you can remove a lot of material pretty quickly and dork stuff up and that's always been my fear so trying it out with the Tormec and then you know strapping the snot out of it I was finally able to get satisfactory cross grain cuts on it so so kudos to you and you can learn something new every day
2: well the thing I think is the most frustrating about carving tools is the fact that you almost need your tools sharper for softwood than you do hardwood yeah I can see that you know what I mean Because the softwood fibers are much less dense. So if your tools are not sharp, it will crush instead of cut. I mean, same thing kind of holds true with hardwood. But I think there's enough density there that it can kind of fake it. Yeah. If it's semi-sharp, you can push hard enough that it will still cut. It's going to crush a little bit, but it's not as noticeable. Um, Yeah as it would be with softwoods because softwoods they compress
0: yeah you know and like i picked up these tools used and part of it is not knowing especially with carving tools with a complex profile it's not knowing what you're looking for Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know what the goal is here how do i know that i've gotten it sharp you know what a, what's a reasonable expectation in terms of resistance and cut quality and all that kind of stuff so And it's like you just don't know until you do it and then if it doesn't work, yeah. then it's like, now what? I don't know what I did wrong necessarily.
1: then you sell it to somebody else <laughs> <laughs> I've done that.
0: Alright, you guys get any other updates? Concrete comes this week for you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, they were supposed to come today um, they, they bumped me until tomorrow they have a bigger job that is taking they're about a half day behind and he said I want to send you the A crew and not the B crew he said the A crew is great, B crew is pretty good the C crew needs to stick to their footings so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like alright, I'm fine with that Like as long as it comes this week my biggest thing is I don't know the concrete world at all. I, have yeah. no, I know nothing about concrete, um, but uh, it's going to be really cold tomorrow, like 37 and raining. So I'm assuming they can mix something in to help it cure during the cold. Um, sure. They talked about, you know, tenting the building and uh, putting heaters in there and stuff. I don't know. Man, as long as it goes in and it doesn't crack, that's all I care about.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: So I do have to go install my, uh, I have to install a thermostat inside the concrete. So I got to go tape some PEX tubing, the end of some PEX tubing, and run it to the center of the concrete slab. Okay. And that is for a thermostat wire that measures the temperature of the concrete. I think it's like a safety thing. So okay. like with the radiant with radiant heat in the floor, it measures the concrete to make sure the concrete's not, like, scorching hot, I think. Um, I'm sure my, my guy Nelson will tell me if I'm wrong on that. So, Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, I remember a neighbor of mine, a couple of houses up, uh, where their house is put in a new driveway to connect to a garage that he had built in the back, and he had a section that was... It was extra thick concrete, and yep. he put it in late summer, and he spent like almost two days where he was just out there with the garden hose running on it because you could walk on it, and it was, it was totally shaded by trees around it, and it was like almost too hot to walk on.
2: Yeah, yep, yep. So actually, one of our our editor Eric Logie. He's a former concrete guy. Yeah. I should ask him. There you go.
1: I did concrete for a summer back in college. Did you? Yeah. So never made it to... They never let me do any finishing work, so I must have been on the B or C (laughs) team or whatever. (laughs) They did let me use the broom a couple times to do a broom finish, but other than Mm -hmm. that, it was slinging a shovel and come along, and that's it.
2: Yep. 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 I'm... uh, I think I'm... So I have couple things that are getting poured. I don't think they're going to do my back patio out here because it's like, well, if I'm going to have a concrete truck here, might as well do my back patio. That's been on our list since we built our house. Yeah. Um, I have a... The the porch area on the building, on the shop, is going to be a broomed finish. Um, but everything else inside, I'm going to have them power trowel so it's smooth. Um, a, because then the storage side of my shop, where you know I'm keeping lumber and all that stuff, it will be easier to clean up. Right. And B, I am also I'm going to do an epoxy floor on in okay. the shop. So it's like I think that needs to be a smooth finish. Um so I haven't decided if I'm gonna contract that out or if I'm gonna do one of the DIY kits. My dad's done a couple DIY kits in his garages and they've always looked really nice. So
0: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm so that just
2: postpones your move-in date then, right? The epoxy? Yeah. I can at least get stuff into the building, get my basement cleared. That's true. Know. But, yeah. My garage doors should hopefully be here in a week or two, supposedly. They, they weren't supposed to ship till March or April, so if they show up any time this month, I'll be happy.
0: All right. So. That'll be cool. Have it all closed mm-hmm. in then, or fully closed in. Yep. John, any other updates?
1: Nope. Just chugging along. The next shop notes in Woodsmith have to go out, so. Yep. Same old, same old.
0: It's the magazine life.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: All right, I want to thank Shaper Tools for sponsoring today's episode. They have the Shaper Origin. Uh, They have an offer going where you can try it in your shop risk-free for 30 days just to kick the tires on it, see whether you like it, and then play around with it. Uh, They also have a ton of stuff on their website, you know, classes and plans and all kinds of stuff to help you get used to the tool and know exactly what it's capable of. There's just, if nothing else, it's just fun to learn about what the what people how other people are using the shaper origin. So you want to check that out at shapertools.com. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can send them on an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. You can check out our show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcasts and watch the podcast on YouTube or if that's just a more convenient way for you to listen to your podcast. Uh, I'm also going to make a plea for you to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from to help other woodworkers find the shop notes podcast and now that shop notes is back please subscribe you can check it out at shopnotes.com we'll see you next week everybody bye